Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and food and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to change that narrative and build a body you love inside and out. Let's go. Hey, I'm just jumping on before this episode starts with a trigger warning. In this episode, Izzy and I are discussing lots of different topics related to eating disorders. So if at any time the topic of our conversation is no good for you, please use your own discretion and exit the podcast. If as well you are needing any support in in this area, please speak to a qualified medical professional. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fit and Free with AIM. I'm super excited to have a guest speaker on with us today who is Isabel Goodwin. Now I was saying Izzy, Izzy, is that okay if I call you Izzy throughout the podcast? Izzy is perfect. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much for jumping on. Um, Izzy, I really wanted to chat to you about, you know, binge eating, overeating, all of those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I would really love if you could just give the listeners a little bit of a rundown on like how you came to be a dietitian, but also how you came to really be on socials talking a lot about these topics. Yeah, sure. It's been a long time coming. Um, so I don't know how much your listeners will know about the nutrition world and how much they know about dietitians, but Uh, So as a dietitian, I went to uni for three years in a bachelor degree in health science. Um, And then I spent another two years on top of that doing a master's degree, which was a master's in dietetics and nutrition specifically. Uh, Then I, when I graduated, I jumped around in everything. Um, I didn't really know what path I wanted to go on. Um, a lot of people are sort of interested about how I even got to think about being a dietitian. It's yeah. not something that, you know, you fall into like um, a lot of other jobs. But I remember the first inkling was when my cousin got type 1 diabetes. I was about 12. She was about 15. And I remember being just completely interested in how that affected how she could eat and the impact it had on her health and her everyday life. Um, And it kind of morphed from there. But as far as um, my actual business, so I've run my business online since February. About a year before that was the planning phase. (laughs) I got stuck in the planning phase for a long time. Um, And I'd, I'd worked with people with eating disorders face-to-face before that in someone else's private practice and I found it I was terrified when I first started Um, I was asked to be in that industry because they needed more dietitians where I live to actually see those sorts of people Um, so I fell into that completely overwhelmed initially and then quite challenged (laughs) And then I absolutely loved it because the reward you can get from working with people like that um, and the trust you can build and the transformation you can see from completely changing someone's life through their eating um, can be really powerful. So although some of my clients have eating disorders, um, the other side of it is more disordered eating, which is actually different from eating disorders. Um, the disorder, which I'm sure we might get into a little bit more, but um, it's sort of on the spectrum of, um, in air quotes, healthy eating to an eating disorder. Disordered eating is somewhere in the middle. Um, So it can easily progress into something more serious. Um, So in that, because I'm in the eating disorder space and sort of... um, 
disordered eating, emotional eating, that side of, side of it, I focus a lot on mental health as well yeah. um, and building up mental resilience. Yeah. So, yes. Amazing. With the so with the social media stuff, it seems like you're a whiz with reels and there's so there's so <laughs> reels coming out. Um, do you have a particular like ethos or like um, desire for people with either eating disorder, eating disorder, eating disorders or disordered eating behavior? Like, do you have like a, a hope or or something like that, like a mission? Yeah, uh, you're not broken. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Say it louder. Say it louder. <laughs> um, I wanted to incorporate that so that there's nothing wrong with you um that I wanted to build sort of a judgment-free zone where whatever you're feeling or um, experiencing with food is okay um but also around a little bit of humor built into it as well because I feel like sometimes a lot of people shrug off talking about it or wanting to dig into it because it's just too confronting so I wanted to build past that barrier as well yeah, or break down that barrier. So I try and incorporate a bit of that. Uh, I also like to show that I'm not the food police. <laughs> when, I, when I go out with uh, people, say, for a dinner or something and I, I don't know them very well or meeting new people, I try and put off saying I'm a dietitian for a very long time yeah. because otherwise they instantly feel like I'm judging what they're eating. Um, and that couldn't be further from the truth. I really, I couldn't care less in that scenario. <laughs> um, it's more about, for my clients, um, and as far as my social media goes, it's more about, um, I guess, awareness around how your mental health and food can play together, uh, not letting that judgment in, breaking down some of the shame and building in a bit of humour as well. Yeah, I love it. I love it all so much. So, We've only briefly spoken on DMs, but I came from what I would say is like significant disordered eating for mm. like 15 years. I don't know, long time. Never, like never saw a psychologist, never saw a dietitian or anything like that. So I don't know if I would have been diagnosed with an eating disorder. I'm not sure. Uh, disordered eating behavior, I can like hands down, absolutely for so, so, so long. Um, and for me, just to briefly let you know, like I hit a really rough point in 2016 where I was like hit rock bottom very rapidly. But for me, the rock bottom actually helped me come out the other side. And yes. it took about six months. Like it wasn't a click of the fingers. Kind of feels like a click of the fingers when I look back at it. It wasn't. It was about six months where for me, it was just like, I just couldn't do this any longer. I was like, I had come from significant restrictions. There was no overeating for me or um, anything like that I labeled myself as an overeater it's funny I watch videos of myself back and I'm saying things like I'm addicted to sugar I'm an overeater fuck me I was not like no it's like just normal food right like just normal eating habits and uh, but I was labeling them back then and I think I was very I was very influenced by what I was seeing in like um, fitness magazines at the time because Instagram wasn't really a thing, but like the whole I quit sugar thing, it just, and we'll talk about orthorexia soon, but I fucking went off on a tangent on that. And so it's like, oh, well, if I have like a chocolate, it means I'm addicted to sugar, you know, like really I'd lost touch with reality. Um, but yeah, so I had a massive crash and then with within about six months, I was like, I just can't do this shit anymore. It's exhausting. And I hate it. I'm not even happy. Like it's not making me happy. Mm -hmm. um, so I sort of see it. I sort of see it as lucky that I was able to let it go so freely um, because I do still work with a lot of people who just have this sort of low level simmering just the whole time and it never really leaves them, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so I do feel really lucky to be in the position that I am in now where I've been able to completely let that go. And my focus is very much on like fueling myself for performance. Like I, I love food, tastes amazing. And I eat like lollies and chocolate and whatever and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, a lot of my thought process in terms of food is like, fuck, I need to get jacked because I want to do well in this competition, you know? So it's more so athlete mindset and that has an ex expiry date for me. It might be just a couple of years and then it's going to, I'll just, you know, let that go. Um, but I would love to speak to you 
about if we can get into some definitions for people because I think this labeling is just fuck it has such a big impact on the way people see themselves and see the food they're eating so there's quite a number of definitions I'd love to dive into could we please start first of all with um disordered eating and eat an eating disorder mm-hmm. yep yep sure and uh, there's so much I could say in what you just said <laughs> I could talk for hours I'm sure but um and again I just want to say that if there is anyone listening who wherever you are on that spectrum whether you feel like you're full-blown deep in something really really hard that's distracting you from everything or whether you're just wondering whether something's not quite right um there is nothing wrong with you and things can get better. Um, sometimes it takes reaching out to someone to do that, but yeah. Um, so disordered eating and eating disorders. Uh, disordered eating, like I said, is sort of heading towards an eating disorder, but not as, um, doesn't present yet as an eating disorder. So it might be, um it might be simply restricting foods that can be starting to head towards an eating disorder, um, disordered eating, yep. labeling foods as good and bad, or even to the point where it might be a sometimes food. That's still a label that's quite powerful that has that right or wrong label on it. Uh, if, uh, if you find that tracking food, So whether that be calories or macros or tracking it in some way or some sort of numbers, whether it be weight, whether it be uh, waist circumference, those sorts of things, if that becomes obsessive, that can be associated with disordered eating um, or disordered patterns in some way. Uh, if, If your eating is starting to let guilt or shame creep into it that shows that something's something's amiss something's not quite right uh so it's sort of it can be very sneaky yeah and especially with social media and um millennials growing up with magazines with particular bodies on them and and how to lose weight and how to do this you should do this all that sort of thing uh I wouldn't be surprised if most of us have had some sort of disordered eating somewhere along the line because of those things. Um, So they can be quite sneaky. Where it tips over into eating disorders is where it becomes a bit more obsessive or pattern-based, I would say. So where it becomes almost a necessary part of your day to do something like that. Yeah. So whether you you can't eat unless you track it. Uh, you can't go about your day until you've weighed yourself. Uh, you get really, really fearful um, if someone else is making you a meal. Uh, those sorts of things where it's affecting your life day to day and often affecting your social life. So if you're not going out to eat as much or not seeing certain people, that's where it shows that it could be heading towards the more serious side. The other thing I want to say is that often when when we hear eating disorders we often think of um and we should probably do a trigger warning here again for people who are (laughs) i'll do one i'll put it at the very start of the podcast yeah (laughs) um so things like anorexia nervosa is what we think when we think eating disorders Mm. and a lot of people have an image in their mind of what that looks like Mm. eating disorders don't really have a look Mm -hmm. uh people can be struggling just as easily um or i should say just as hard uh, as someone who looks sick compared to someone who isn't uh so it doesn't have a look and whereas we normally think of say a skinny young female um who looks tired and really pale for example that might be something that comes to mind um, but we might not think of um, a, again, air quotes, normal weight person, even like males suffer from eating disorders as well. Um, we often don't see that side of it or it's not represented quite as clearly, um, which can prevent people from getting help because they think, well, I'm not, I'm not sick enough. 
I'm not, my weight's not that bad. And that's when things can slip, slip along. So I like to sort of, um, I'm very much about prevention <laughs> and um, making sure people are aware that it doesn't have a certain look. If you feel like it's affecting you, then that's enough to get help and support. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember where I was reading something, but it, 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 it hit me for the very first time. I don't, I don't know, a couple of years ago, a year ago or something where I was, I was reading some personal accounts of not being deemed sick enough by a GP to be referred, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of behavior. And it's like, fuck me. You know, it's not something I'd ever really thought about. Um, and like, you know, even my own personal situation, I don't know why, I don't know why I just never considered seeing anyone about it. Like, mm. I think when I think about it, like, I think, you know, seeing a psychologist or a counselor was something that I would have done for say, um, I don't know, like a depression or an anxiety, but mm -hmm. it, I just, I don't know why it had never crossed my mind to do with the eating thing. And it, without like turn, this turning into a therapy session for back then, it could have been though because I was so tied to, but I want the outcome of this behavior. Like I thought that that's what the, the behavior would get me this outcome, which to me at that age was very much tied to like acceptance, popularity, attractiveness, all, you know, the heavens would open up and life would be perfect. Um, that's what I really thought. And so I, I didn't see it as a problem. I thought it was like, well, I'm not, I don't have the willpower or I don't have, like yeah. it was more of a that problem rather than it is so insidious, isn't it? It's insane. Yeah. And that, that sort of, it sounds like you felt like you weren't good enough or you weren't where you needed to be yet. Yep. So it, you didn't see it as a, an issue because that was part of the process almost. Completely. Um, yeah. And that actually relates quite back well. I was listening to one of your other podcasts with Sophie, I think it was, uh, and she talked about how even when she lost weight, it didn't make her happy. Yep. She, so she didn't even get to that through uh, changing, changing her weight. So that's weight for an example. But um, these things don't guarantee yep. results sometimes. Um, especially if we're being really restrictive um, or over-exercising. Um, our bodies, if we go too far, our bodies fight it in an attempt to protect us. Yep. So it can actually, um, yeah, do the opposite of what you're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, that was certainly my experience. Like I had this, I had this number in my head and I got there and my whole world fell apart. And that's why I was like, I think that that also helped me go, okay, it's not this. It's not the scale weight that is going to, you know, have you internally happy. It's what's happening internally. Uh, and I think as humans, we, we we do this all the time. We go, when when we have the have, then everything will change. And it's like, it's, yeah. not, the, it's not that external thing. It's the internal work that will do it. Um, amazing. Can we please talk about um, the difference between overeating and binge eating? Because... Far out. I've had this conversation with so many people and not so much anymore, but years ago and on the gym floor, oh, I, I, I had a, I, I binged this, just this binge eating language. It's so flippant. It's, and it's like, hang on a second. This is the definition of binge eating. You just have like two rows of chocolate because that, I mean, that's not even overeating for starters, but like I, it, the language is everywhere and people use it and then they end up labeling themselves. I'm a binge eater when they're not. And I think it like what happened with me labeling myself as addicted to sugar. Then I was like in this ping pong of, well, I can't eat anything with sugar. And then I really want to. And then it's just this fucking hell hole. Um, can you please talk that story? Like what's overeating? What's binge eating? What are the differences? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So look, overeating is hard to, describe because it doesn't look the same for everyone so overeating for say me compared to my partner is going to look very different um, and it looks different to everyone but I'd say the key difference is that binge eating is usually tied up in restriction so that there's there's that restriction and then binge restriction and binge and there's that cycle but it also has a lot to do with your mental health and your mindset. So if, um, for example, 
overeating, a good example of overeating is say if you go to a birthday party and you're having a great time and you feel full, but you want to eat more of that thing because your friends are and you're having a good time and, and that's overeating and that's okay. That's okay. Um, overeating isn't a bad thing. Um, and I think you're right. It can get very tied up in, well, as soon as you've overeaten, you've, you've binged. Um, whereas it's a lot more tied up in um, how, how you're feeling about food, what your relationship with food is like. Um, overeating can be more to do with feeling disconnected with your body. So say you might be quite disconnected with your hunger cues and that can mean that if it's easier to overeat um, or say if you're sitting in front of TV with a big bag of popcorn and you're distracted, you can overeat in that way because you're not really focusing on your body, you're focusing on your TV show. And again, nothing wrong with that. Um, I guess that if, if overeating becomes something that is in that cycle where you've overeaten, you feel guilt, you feel shame, so you then restrict food tomorrow or for the rest of the day um, because of that overeating, that's where it's shifting into the binge eating category because there's usually some form of um, physical restriction or it can be mental restriction. So if, and we're sort of going into binge eating territory here now, so if it doesn't have to be the physical restriction side of things, if you're going, oh, no, I can't have that, that's bad, um, I need to avoid that at all costs, that is mental restriction. Um, and that can play just as much of a part as actually avoiding that food. Um, because you can be mentally restricted but not actually restricting your food or what you're taking in. Um, and that's it's quite hard to describe in, in a short time period, but um, there is a difference. Um, binge eating is often also usually tied up with um, an obsession with weight or wanting to lose weight um, or wanting to look a certain way. Uh, it can be tied up with poor body image as well or self-esteem. So we're looking more at sort of the psychology, mental health side of things. Um, Often binge eating can also be, you can feel a bit out of control with it. Mm. So it's not something that you're consciously aware of that you're doing, like the example with the party. Mm. You're probably making that sometimes, unless you've got that distraction there as well, of talking to people. You're making that decision, oh, I'm full, but I'm going to have more. Mm. Um, whereas binge eating is more sort of, some people have, some clients have just described it to me as being in a trance or just feeling numb, um, that they don't have control once they're in that, that binge. Um, it's not comforting. It's not enjoyable like in the party situation. Um, it doesn't provide a sense of, say, where emotional eating might provide comfort. If you've had a bad day and you have some chocolate to sort of cheer you up a bit, that's completely different. Um, and one more thing too is that binge eating usually has a trigger. So what the, the restriction is a trigger. Mm -hmm. It could be something um, trauma-related, which is usually where I get a psychologist involved with my clients, mm -hmm. um, where the binge is triggered by something um, unrelated to just being at a party or having the food there, for example. I hope that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how much we can go into this. And of course, like how, we, we obviously have limited time, but so if, someone has, if someone's listening to this and they're like, shit, I think I'm having some trouble with either, you know, binge eating or overeating, would you be able to help explain maybe the, you know, bird's eye view process of how you might begin to help someone, like if they come to you to try and like make this less taboo for people to seek help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it, it differs a little bit with my online clients than what I used to see people with. Um, first up, if often I have conversations with people in my DMs and just chat to them. Yeah. Um, 
if it gets to the point where I'm seeing them in session. So an initial assessment, um, I go into a bit more detail about um, any medical history, any medications that they're on, um, any uh, dieting history is one that we spend a lot of time on because um, that can have a big influence on um, what we start with and what we focus on first. Mm. Um, even things like uh, your, your eating habits as a kid or what your parents modelled to you growing up because parents have a big influence on our eating behaviours and how we feel about food as we grow up. Um, Can I just jump in there, Izzy, yeah, for a yeah. second and just say like, uh, I was, I don't know, I was pretty lucky with my parents. I didn't have any of that sort of stuff. Like my dad did a little bit of the, um, put like three minutes on the timer and you had to eat everything on your plate in a certain amount of time. Like that's kind of messed up, but that's all there really is. We, I didn't really have the good and bad stuff. I kind of learned that through magazines. Um, but with my clients, man, oh man, sometimes I heard heart-wrenching stories of, you know, my mom always said that, I was too fat or my mom always said this or my mom said we couldn't eat these foods and the person's not really realizing the impact that's had they believe it to be true it's like it's a fact to them um and so through the conversation they don't actually realize that they're saying to me something that's like a huge red flag it's like this is just the fact this is the way things are mm. and it's like you know in my head it's like fuck the the impact that that sentence or those statements had on you when you were five, you can just see it's now filtered into this more often than not with the women who I'm coaching, it's filtered into heavy restriction. Um, and then that bouncing into that overeating because it's like, well, we've restricted for so long and this is what happened, but it's so much like, well, I can't eat that. And I can't eat that. And I can't eat that. And it's like, well, this is how I like, this is what is true. Like you can't eat that. And it's like, no. So I'm um, sorry to interrupt you, but just with that, the impact of language for kids is just, yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm actually in, in the process of doing more work on that um, in my following who are client um, parents yeah. and how to best raise your kids so that they're independent eaters and um, going into another topic, which we could talk about for hours, intuitive eaters. Yeah. So um, making sure that they're spending more time focusing on what their body's doing and how they're feeling in their body rather than all this external stuff mm -hmm. that is trying to tell us what to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, kids, kids are naturally intuitive. So at some point along the line, we've all learnt these patterns. Um, and they define our identity. So like you've said, where I'm addicted to sugar, that becomes your identity or I am a binge eater. Um, part of, part of uh, coming out of that is pulling, pulling that apart a bit. And that can be really scary because if you've, if you've had that as part of you for a long time, letting go of that can feel like you're spiralling out of control or you're letting yourself go or um, going off track because it's sort of pulling that part of you out. And that's very much the case with if it's been something that you've grown up with being told that you're, you're too big um, or even you're too small, like you, you're, not, you're not big enough, you need, to, you need to get more meat on your bones, for example, um, can be really harmful and sort of form part of who you are. Mm. So that's why, yeah, we do, with my often clients in this space, we do go into that um, when people are ready. So I don't, I don't really, um, I start where the clients want to start. Um, there's certain things that I bring up um, initially to sort of get them thinking about things, but if they're really determined to do something first, we start there. Um, yeah, so no, I know you asked about what would um, work with me look like or what if someone's yeah. going to come to work with me. Um, we start where they want to start, um, but I also plant some seeds if, if they are deep in that sort of I am a binge eater, this yeah. is just who I am. Um, 
we sort of explore that and go, well, is that is that actually true? Do we have to hold on to that? Um, yeah. With that, is there like um, a certain set of like go-to strategies? Is there like mindfulness practices? Like um, I'm, I'm, my brain loves to go to like give me the five steps or the strategy. Yeah. <laughs> is, is there strategy work or homework that's given? Look, if there was one way for everything, I wouldn't have a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if if there was one size fits all, um, that would be magical and wonderful. Um, it really depends on where that person is at as far as their motivation goes, whether what they're capable of starting with. Yeah. Um, we might start with just adjusting a couple of habits. Um, I've got a good example uh, that's sort of related to exercise actually as well even though I don't I don't prescribe exercises because that's not my arena uh, but I had a client who was trying to she'd she'd always seen exercise as something that you should be doing um, it's not meant to be fun uh-huh. it's just you're meant to be doing it because everyone tells you to and if you're not you're lazy type of thing so we're trying to build out again that identity around that So all we started with to build that habit and try and break down that barrier was she would put on her runners after she got home from work and that was it. So it was just, and and she looked at me and thought, well, yeah, I can do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's why we're starting there because it's easy. You just put on your runners and go about what you'd normally do. So it might be, um, you might be starting to cook dinner or you might be sitting on the couch watching TV. Um, it's just that simple act of shifting slightly and then we we habit stack, so what we call habit stacking. Um, so that's often something that I'll incorporate. But as far as binge eating goes, the first thing that I would look for if I was working with someone is how, how regularly they're eating. So are they relying on one big meal a day for all their nutrition? And if that's the case, it can be very hard to do. So your body's probably missing something and therefore it'll it'll tell you by trying to get you to eat more. Um, so we'll look at regularity and whether they need to be bringing in uh, more meals or more snacks. Uh, also looking at variety, are they eating a variety of things? that are going to give them all the nutrients that your body needs. Often cutting out carbs is a big one. Um, so if there needs to be more of that in there, we, we try that. Uh, so it really depends on the person and what their diet looks like as a whole when they get to me to start with, but also what their mental health looks like mm. and what they're capable of starting with. I'm super curious, just with that, the leaving the big meal like or having one big meal, um, mm-hmm. So curious, do you, is that in the presentations to you, has that typically been out of a fear of like weight gain or has it been like just not thinking about eating or has it been any pattern? Look, it could be, uh, could be anything. It could be that's just how they, they grew up as a kid. Yeah. Like not having breakfast, um, maybe having like a snack at school for lunch and then coming home and having a massive dinner. For example, that's just how they've always done it. So yeah. why, why would you think to do it any differently? Um, sometimes it can be following a period of dieting or restriction um, in that if you've tried to, say, reduce your portion sizes really drastically or trying to eat as less as possible because you feel like that's going to help you lose weight, mm. um, it can be a result of that and you just get in the pattern of, your hunger cues don't really switch on until, say, lunchtime, and then you have quite a big lunch and then go for a long time um, until you have your next meal again. Mm-hmm. For, for people outside of the eating disorder space, often it can be shift workers. Yeah. So if someone works, uh, say, 11 p.m. to 6 or 7 a.m., that can really mess with your hunger hunger hormones um, and your sleep. So I quite regularly see it in shift workers as well. 
Um, please forgive me. I'm so I'm ignorant with this. If in a shift worker type of situation, is that so? That's is that can still be that full on full on binge eating where it's like super uncomfortable, still eating past that. Yeah, again, it depends on the person, but usually it's more just getting in the habit of having that one meal a day, where that yeah. provides pretty much all of your nu- nutrition. Um, they might have little snacks here and there and and drink water or or something else during the day but most of their um like protein carbohydrates fats the 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 things that give you energy are coming from that one meal um yeah it's it always sort of seemed to me, and again, I'm not an expert. I don't deal with eating disorders, but it always seemed to me like the the binge eating thing had like a psychological component to it. Um, does it does it sort of end up that way no matter how someone's got there, or or not? <laughs> no. So there might be there might, for example, again, the shift workers who yeah. have one meal a day that yeah. might suit them perfectly. Yeah, I just how how things work and and that works really well for them. And if it is and they're happy, I don't try and change it. Yeah. Um, It's more for if it is causing um, stress, fear around eating, um, excessive anxiety. So I work with a lot of people with anxiety around food as well. Um, Or if it is uh, triggering any type of restriction. So you're having that one meal in order to restrict for the rest of the day intentionally. Yeah. That's that's where that comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Can we chat? You you mentioned intuitive eating before, and I feel like it has just been butchered on social oh, yes. media. <laughs> um, could I give you the floor to talk about like? If you wouldn't mind intuitive eating, you know, what is it? But if you could also talk about some of the things maybe that piss you off uh, in terms of the social space, because I think that honesty would be very refreshing. Um, and I think some people need to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how long have you got? <laughs> um, <laughs> look, you're right. It is very misunderstood and misrepresented. Um, a lot of dieting companies have taken it on as a way to diet. Um, I'm very much a non, I practice in a non-diet approach, which is um, recognising that diets don't work long-term for good health or weight loss. We know that. Um, And that coming back to what your body needs and your relationship with food is going to carry you a lot longer and more sustainably than any diet ever. So anything that tries to take you away from your natural hunger cues um, or set you up with a new mentality that you should be doing this or you can't do this, um, we let go of all of that. And, again, that can be really difficult. If you've, if you've been a dieter for a long time, um, it's very hard to recognise your hunger and sometimes recognize your fullness because you've got so used to ignoring them. Um, the dieting mentality can be so strong that you, you don't even recognize it. So we even talk about, uh, with my clients, I talk about language around food and how to identify it when other people are talking about food or how to identify it in the media, in social media, even the really subtle things. Um so it, to sort of wrap that up, intuitive eating is uh, sort of, it, it goes hand in hand with a non-diet approach, but it's more about bringing it back to your intuition of what your body is telling you it needs. Mm. So honouring your hunger, um, challenging things that are telling you to go against what your body is naturally telling you, um, learning to feel what your fullness feels like and not being fearful of that. Mm. Um, Learning how your emotions tie in with food and how they affect your eating, Uh, respecting your body and being kind to it and recognising that it's your place to live. Um, I think I heard a a really nice um, audio clip 
on Instagram a while ago where it was talking about, I can't remember who it was, um, that your, your body is the only place that you have to live um, and it's doing everything in its power to protect you and keep you healthy. If we ignore it, usually it's not going to be a very good path. Um, and part of the intuitive eating journey is bringing in um, exercise, but I like to call it movement. So sometimes exercise is tied up in, um, again, like I said, you have to do it um, if you're not, you're lazy sort of thing. So I like to think of it more of as movement. So that can be anything from um, high intensity run for an hour mm. or it can be yoga for 10 minutes. Mm. It's just about incorporating something, feeling the difference between those things, deciding what you like and don't like, no matter how many calories you burn or what your weight is or any sort of external measures that take you away from your body experience mm. yeah can you talk about um some of the some of the red flags from either companies influences or whatever who might be using intuitive eating in a way that's inappropriate <laughs> if they're trying to sell anything yeah. be careful <laughs> Uh, if they're trying to sell you a particular supplement or um, one of their products um, or a challenge yeah possibly some of them are harmless some of them can be yeah not so great yeah. um, I mean there's there's some fantastic dietitians and and um, some nutritionists who do great challenges mm. uh, but it is really hard to tell even mm. even as a dietitian um I've been stuck in that sometimes where I thought oh that's that's a good idea and then I read about it a bit more I'm like oh no 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 <laughs> um there was a really interesting one I don't know if you saw it um an ad from do you know who Sarah's day is N no not from the name huge huge Australian uh influencer I guess influencer she's like a I don't even know what you like powerhouse business owner now, um, but had come out with this ad really targeting like balance and like the women, the women who have been going hard for so long and like under eating and over exercising. Right. And we're all kind of like, Oh my God, finally she stopped. It's orthorexic. There's so many problems. Right. And it's like, yeah. we're like, Oh my God, finally this, 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 like, I don't know if it was like a challenge or a program or something is, is, you know, actually relaxing and not doing all of that, right? The language of the video uh, didn't match up with the image of the video, right? So then the video was like high-intensity workouts and, like, it was just fucking green juices and all of it. Not that there's anything wrong with green juices, but everyone knows, like, the that girl image and it's yeah. just like, yeah. And then there was a huge uproar about it and people tagging her left, right and centre, like, what the hell, bro? Like you, everyone knows that there is just this huge problem. You know, I think it's getting more and more spoken about now of like women uh, under eating and overtraining, right? Doing too much. The words of the ad specifically target those women and are like, it's time to take a step back. But then the contents of the program was not, it was just the same shit again, right? And it's like, man, I don't think there were too many people sucked into that because the backlash was enormous. It was just all over everywhere. It was like, come on, you've got to do better than this. Um, but I definitely think with like, you know, the that girl trend, I've just spoken about it just then, but it just so, like you said, people feeling like they're lazy if they don't exercise. It's like the one of the worst insults you can say to someone, like you're unproductive, you're lazy, you're unmotivated. It's like, what? Like, how did that become the worst things you can say about someone? Um, and then, you know, we've seen it with the fitness industry with so many things, just being hijacked um, and then using these buzzwords to really target people who, who might need, you know, actual intuitive eating, actual movement, right? Instead of something that's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it can create this, this uh, which I talk about a lot on my page, an all or nothing approach. 
So you're all in for the challenge and then it's so overwhelming that you just bounce straight back to nothing, for example. Um, and I'm sure you, you probably see it with exercise as well, where people go in too hard and then it all falls apart and you end up back at square one because it's just too much. And it can be the same with eating. Um, if And that's what diets model is that you you change everything up. Yep. You're your um, life will be amazing because you're changing everything and um, it just it just breeds this unhealthy relationship with food because you've lost that connection with your body by changing everything up Um, another thing to to be careful of if if you see those sorts of things if they're if they're promoting their body over and over and over as sort of you can look like me if you do this program as well that's a big red flag Um, because what your body looks like compared to how healthy it is can be very very different Um, which again could go into for for ages Um, but if if they're really sort of trying to sell a particular body type that's a big red flag like the the day on the plate but the first shot is a, an ab, like a porn yeah, exactly. What the fuck is that? It grinds my gears so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, yeah, anything around trying to sell you something um, or, like you said, some challenges, if they encourage sort of completely yeah. uphauling everything, um, or if they're selling a particular look um, or it's all about how they look, um, they're big red flags. Yeah. Super helpful. Well, I know we don't have too long left, but I would love to speak to you about the, which is kind of coming into what it's sort of a natural segue anyway with the orthorexia thing because um, this was something that sort of took hold with me but uh, didn't really but I sort of always felt like, you know, I, I was watching people on YouTube eat, so fitness influencers on YouTube eat, and everything, <laughs> everything was like, you know, um, farmer's market sourced, whatever, and it looked perfect, number one, but it was perfect. And then I had this whole image in my head of like, well, you know, this woman is like amazing because she has her whole life together, her house is always cleaned and she's always yeah. eating <laughs> beautiful meals right um and this is this is years and years ago now but I think it actually is like the that girl trend that hit us last year or the year before or in lockdown or whenever it hit us um and then I've I definitely this is definitely some of the phases that I was in previously which is like I just eating clean just eating these kinds of foods and definitely labeling myself as like a better person because this is the things that I was consuming can you talk a little bit about orthorexia again, just with, you know, how could someone maybe go, oh shit, I'm not engaging in those sorts of behaviors and why it could be a problem? Yeah. So orthorexia is an interesting one. It's a bit of a um, a newer diagnosis than a lot of other eating issues. And orthorexia at the moment isn't actually recognized as an eating disorder. Cool. Okay. So I wouldn't be surprised if it is soon, because it should be. (laughs) Um, But they're still in the research base and scientifically, they're still trying to work out exactly what it looks like. Um, So, and especially through COVID, COVID absolutely, uh, it it caused so many issues. I think um, the Butterfly Foundation, which a few people might've heard of, it's sort of an eating disorder organization, uh, did some research over the next over the last year or so, and I think don't quote me on it, but I think they estimated that eating disorder uh, prevalence went up about three hundred percent during COVID. Uh, so it's because of the mental health impacts of COVID and the lack of control around what we could do in our lives. Um, it. And, and I'm not surprised that because eating disorders have a lot to do with or can do have a lot to do with control 
um, around if you feel a lack of control in your life, you can still control your eating. Mm -hmm. So that becomes the focus. Um, so I think it was a bit of that with COVID. Uh, so orthorexia, um, although it's not yet recognised as an eating disorder diagnosis, that doesn't mean that it's, I don't want any of your listeners to think that it's, oh, it's not a problem then, it's not worth looking into. Um, it's, um, I actually looked up the, the definition that they had on the butterfly website and it said it involves an obsession with healthy or clean eating. People often obsess about the benefits of healthy foods, food quality, but not necessarily quantity of food, which is that the quantity is often what's involved in other eating disorders. Um, and yeah, it's with the rise of anyone and everyone being able to put recipes online um, and shout out about what they're eating every day and um, how they've managed to lower the calories in food or um, even just make it look beautiful um, can be a component of that as well. Um, so often with orthorexia, people will feel like it's not a proper meal if it doesn't look nice as well. Like it's meant to look really aesthetically pleasing to be considered a good meal. Um, things like where people are replacing certain ingredients to almost healthify it. So I'm thinking yeah. chickpea cookies, uh, <laughs> black bean brownies, yeah. avocado mousse, um, sort of swapping out often the fats or the carbohydrates with something else. The cauliflower so the bases. Yes. Yep. So it it doesn't necessarily mean these recipes are bad. Yeah. But it's important that you're really conscious about why you're changing the recipe. So if if you feel like, I mean, I've made black bean brownies before because I was interested to see is this going to be disgusting or is this actually good? And I managed to make a pretty good recipe. Like the beans gave it a nice texture and it was the right colour and all that sort of stuff. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to do that all the time. I'm still going to make brownies with normal flour and butter <laughs> and normal white sugar. Um, it really depends on what, why you're doing that. Is it out of curiosity to see what it tastes like or is it, oh, this is a chance to make a dessert more healthy and therefore I'm eating cleaner because that can be, yeah, that like, can be not so good. I remember for me, I, like I did all of this stuff. For me, it was like I can, I can have cake if I have it like that. Like otherwise I can't yeah. have it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it can backfire because sometimes sometimes those foods um, don't have any, like the, they're similar in, in calories, for example, or they don't, they don't have more of a healthy profile. It's just some ingredients have been healthified more than others, like coconut oil. Yeah. Actually, if you're eating it in high amounts, it's actually really not good for your heart health. Um, there's this big thing about seed oils at the moment. So you shouldn't be having seed oils completely debunked. There's no, it's been brought up by influencers. There's no scientific backing to that, that it causes any issues. Thank you for saying um, that. Sorry. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, organic versus non-organic. Um, as far as health goes, there's no real difference. Um, as far as sort of um, protecting our environment, which again is another big consideration with that, especially sort of vegan diets and things like that, that is a consideration. Um, but again, making sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Mm. Um, it, that seems to be the big takeaway with the orthorexia component is like just to have that self-inquiry of like, why, why am I doing this? Is it because, like, for me, it was, like, the, <laughs> so embarrassing. I just, I find it useful just to say these things out loud, though, because I know other people yeah. are having trouble with it. Um, but for me back then, it was more like I wouldn't be worthy if I had, you know, normal cake. And it was, like, to be, you know, worthy or to be, 
you know, liked by everyone else. These are the things I needed to do. Um, just mm. really interesting reasons for doing these things. Um, there was a little bit for a little bit of a period of time. It was like, like the health aspect. Um, but then I think for me, I was just a little bit too, you know, like carefree with everything else. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not someone who worries about like chemicals that I wash things with around the house with and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, fuck it. Like, that's just too big a bus <laughs> for me to deal with. Um, but yeah, I think that that self-inquiry is really important. So I think we'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much for coming on. I think if we could, um, you know, give people some takeaways, it's definitely that self-inquiry, definitely that if you're thinking that there might be something up, if there's any, you know, any distress or stress or any or those sorts of things around food, please, you know, speak to someone, whether it's easier or someone else, it's worth it. Um, and there's no benchmark for like, it has to be bad enough or it has to be this, you know, it has to be anything like that. Please just um, do, do chat to someone. It sounds like easy, you know, might speak to someone in the DMs just to, you know, direct them in the right, uh, yeah, in the right way. Um, really, really important to do. And personally coming from someone who just had a complete fucked relationship with food for 15 years, it's so much better if you just, you know, speak to someone and get rid of it because there is life after it and it doesn't have to be the story forever. It, you know, this was something that I didn't think would ever change. I just thought this is the way life, like this is truth. This is the way life is. This is fact. Um, and yeah, it's it's just opened up so much more of my life available to me, more time and energy that I can spend on focusing on like learning and working and having fun with friends and um, you know, my training, just enjoying things for the sake of enjoying things. Um, so that's what I want to say. So Izzy, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, if people would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way that they can do that? So at the moment, it's probably through Instagram. Uh, so I'm at at Izzy the Dietitian with uh, Izzy with two Zs and Dietitian spelt with T's. <laughs> um, and yeah, look, I have conversations with people in the DMs all the time. I don't obviously give advice through DMs, but even just I've had people share their story with me and they said just doing that takes a big weight off that they've actually shared with someone who's not going to tell them what to do or give them any advice just be a, a listening ear um, and then if you do want to take it further we can um, I wouldn't mind saying one more thing if I can so with there's a big difference between when if we're thinking about weight and exercise and and eating there's a big difference between short-term goals and long-term goals for people who sort of for example athletes um, or people who are competing for something um, or in, in sport, uh, you might have short-term goals for your body or what, what you have to eat in order to perform. Some, some cases people have to ignore their hunger in order to get enough in. Um, that's very different to long-term goals if from that short-term it's caused issues or disordered eating, um, long-term looking at mental health, making sure your body um, is healthy and not getting any deficiencies, um, making sure your heart health is good, all that, that sort of thing is very different and looks very different. And um, the sustainability of things is usually the end that I'm on rather than, say, a sports dietitian who might help with shorter term goals I'm looking at well if if you've gone through that that short term and you're at a point where you're just stuck in that and it's causing you lots of stress and overwhelm and and your relationship with food is horrible now how do we get you out of that forever um that's sort of where I sit mm. yeah I think just quickly too just because especially we've just come out of um like uh, bodybuilding comp season bikini comp season that's something that happened to me after my comp too. I like just fucking forgot how to eat. Like it was so whack. And if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't understand what it means now. But then I just couldn't even put, like, I didn't even know how to put a meal together. It was insane what happened to me. Um, so I think if anyone's listening who's gone through that and you're kind of like freaking out because you don't know who to speak to or anything like that, again, 
um, Izzy's DMs because like I, I get it that happened to me and it's I know it sounds super, super strange to like, what, what do you mean? You didn't even know how to eat anymore, but I really couldn't tell you. It was really, really awful. Um, mm. So, you know, and that, that came like, yes, I had so many problems leaving, leading into that, but also it was a little bit of that short-term athlete goal and yeah. it just completely screwed me over. Um, so really important to, if you're in that area, in that space, whether it was powerlifting or bikini comps or whatever you've done, um, it's worth getting on top of it because then it can just call, it just wreak havoc for, you know, a longer period of time after that. Yeah. 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 Amazing. All right. Thank you so much, Izzy. I'm going to hit. Uh, Thank you for having me.